all for joining us here at I-80 Sports, where today we are wrapping up our preview series with our final division preview in this series, the Metropolitan Division. Guys, thank you for joining us here again at I-80 Sports. Thank you for joining us here again at I-80 Sports. Make sure that you subscribe down below, youtube.com slash I-80 Sports. We'll be coming at you live every Wednesday night for all the news and notes around the NHL as the regular season gets started. Happy opening of training camp here, guys. I, it's like Christmas in September. It is a fun time of year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and we want you guys to join us along the ride. Make sure you subscribe down below, youtube.com slash I-80 Sports. While you're there, hit the bell notifications so that way you're notified of every time we go live and drop a comment drop a like if you like what we're putting at you right now if you're on twitter and you're not currently following us make sure you follow us down below at i80 underscore sports nhl and if you follow us already thank you guys so much for all of your support because we greatly value your support i'm brian he's tom tom how are you doing today Doing well, and here we are. Last division preview of the, of the uh, series, of the summer, I guess you could say. Metropolitan division preview right at home for both of us. And uh, like, I, like Brian said before, uh, happy opening of training camp. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sing right now, but I would <laughs> say it's the most wonderful time of the year right now. But that's a little too cliche. Let's not do that. So we're previewing the Metropolitan division here. I'm just so excited for this division because, I mean, as a lot of our listeners know, I'm a diehard Devils fan. Tom's a diehard Rangers fan. This is our bread and butter right here. I mean, we're super excited to be coming at you with this. We know a lot about this division because we constantly see these teams all year. So we're definitely ready to get down and busy with this. Thank you all for joining us here again. Now it's time to look back on how last season went. I mean, I really don't want to look back on how the Devil season went last year. Tom probably wanna, wants to look at how the Rangers did last year. Yeah, but let's look into the past. So that way we can see our future. Let's look at last year's standings real quick. I'll read them off here. Thank you to ESPN for these standings breakdowns right now. So in the Metropolitan Division, this was the breakdown in the, the division. Coming in in first place last year, the Carolina Hurricane with 54 wins, 20 losses, and 8 overtime losses. Good for 116 points on the year. Winning the division pretty handedly this year. And all in many thanks to their goaltending this year, which also didn't necessarily help them in the playoffs with Freddie Anderson going down after playing stellar goaltending during the regular season, but going down at just the wrong time. Right on their tails were the New York Rangers coming in in second place. I know, Tom, you're super happy about that. Yep. But 52 wins, 24 losses, six overtime losses, good for 110 points. And they weren't too far behind in the goals against department uh, from Carolina. They finished only five goals shy of the best goals against in the entire division last year. And I think that honestly could be even better this year. More on that in a little bit. Finishing in third place, the ever pesky Pittsburgh Penguins. 
That was a great alliteration on my part <laughs> off the dome on that one. But 46 wins, 25 losses, 11 overtime losses, good for 103 points on the season. This is a team that just won't die, and they're still not going to die this year, I don't think. Finishing in fourth place last year, the Washington Capitals, 44 wins, 26 losses, 12 overtime losses, good for 100 points. And then it just kind of falls off from there. Finishing in fifth place, eliminated from playoff contention, were the New York Islanders on the other side of the river. 37 wins, 35 losses, 10 overtime losses, good for 84 points on the season. Next was the Columbus Blue Jackets, finishing in sixth place. 37 wins, 38 losses, 7 overtime losses, good for 81 points. Then we had about 60 feet of crap before we got to the New Jersey Devils there at uh, seventh place. 27 wins, 46 losses, 9 overtime losses, good for 63 points on the season. And no, it wasn't very good. But then again, they were also banged up throughout the year. We'll talk about that more in a little bit, too. Finishing in last place, not too far behind the New Jersey Devils, was the Philadelphia Flyers, everyone's favorite. 25 wins, 46 losses, 11 overtime losses, good for 61 points on the season. So a lot to kind of look back there with how the division broke down last year. But let's see how the division improved in the offseason, looking at some additions and subtractions now in the division, starting with Carolina here. Some key additions for the Carolina Hurricanes include Andre Kasha, Max Pacioretty for literally nothing, Paul Stastny, and Brent Burns. Really good additions there for the Carolina Hurricane, even though they're going to have to wait for the addition of Max Pacioretty. He is going to be out for a little while with injury. More on that a little bit later. Key subtractions here for the Carolina Hurricane. Brendan Smith, Nino Niederreiter, Max Domi, Vincent Trocek, Tony D'Angelo, and Ian Cole. So in many ways, it could be addition through subtraction here for the Carolina Hurricane. Next, the Columbus Blue Jackets probably having one of the busiest off-seasons for sure. Uh, adding the you know, golden goose of the free agency market this year and Johnny Gaudreau also picking up in the offseason, Denton Matichuk and Erica Branson. Key subtractions here for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Really not much. Nathan Gerby and uh, JF Berube. Really nothing too crazy there going on with Columbus. They're definitely one of the more improved teams in the division. Speaking of one of the more improved teams in the division, the New Jersey Devils, my favorite, Tom's total favorite right now. <laughs> Key additions, Andre Palat, Eric Howla, John Marino, Brendan Smith, and Vitek Vanacek. So they stayed quite busy in the offseason, despite losing out on Johnny Gaudreau and Matt Tuchuk. Key subtractions here, P.K. Subban, who actually announced his retirement at the age of 33 yesterday. Just want to add a quick note. Good luck, P.K. I've always supported you. I've always loved you, even though you didn't have the best tenure in New Jersey. Good luck on whatever your next venture is. Other subtractions for the New Jersey Devils, Ty Smith and Pavel Zaka. So all in one felt swoop. Former first-round picks for the Devils, leaving to different acquisitions in the offseason. Next, the New York Islanders, some key additions here. Alexander Romanoff, Hudson Fashing, Paul Ledoux, and Dennis Chalowski. Key subtractions here, Andy Green. We don't know what the fate is with Andy Green yet. He hasn't announced his retirement, but he hasn't confirmed yet if he's playing or not. I don't know. More on that later. Thomas Hickey, Austin Charnack, and Zdeno Chara, which I should mention with Zdeno Chara. He also announced his retirement, signing a one-day contract with the Boston Bruins, just like I said to uh, P.K. Subban. 
congratulations on an amazing career to Z- uh, Zidane Ochara, one one of the biggest players ever to play the game, and definitely one of the more memorable memorable defensemen of our generation. Definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer in my eyes. Uh, good luck on your retirement, bro. And the last big subtraction for the New York Islanders, Coach Barry Trotz. More on that later. Philadelphia Flyers, key additions here. Tony D'Angelo. Hey, um, what's the matter? No love for the Rangers here? Skip I just over. want to skip over them, man. I don't care about the Rangers <laughs> right now. We'll get back to them. Philadelphia, uh, Tony D'Angelo, Justin Braun, Nick Delorier, and head coach John Tortorella. Key subtractions here, Oscar Lindblom, Nate Thompson, Martin Jones, and Keith Yandel. Another defenseman announcing his retirement yesterday. We had a triple threat announcing their retirement. To the Iron Man, congratulations on your retirement. Another potential first battle Hall of Famer in my eyes. You know, congrats on your retirement, Keith. You've absolutely earned it. Going back, I guess, to the New York (laughs) Rangers because someone has to be so needy. And also, I totally slipped up there. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> key additions here from new york rangers picking up a really good consolation prize with vinnie trocek uh other additions uh ryan carpenter yaroslav halak jimmy vc and louis deming key subtractions here we had quite a bit but i think it's really addition through subtraction here for the new york rangers uh frank vetrano tyler mott andrew cop nils lungfist who was dealt yesterday for a first round pick and other conditional picks patrick nemeth Alexander Georgiev, Ryan Strom, Kevin Rooney, and Justin Braun. Quite a bit going on uh, for New York Rangers this offseason. Next to Pittsburgh Penguins, key additions here, Dustin Tokarski, Xavier Wallet, Josh Archibald, Jan Ruta, Drake Kajula, Ryan Pooling, Jeff Petrie, and Ty Smith. Key subtractions, Nathan Beaulieu, Louis Domingue, Evan Rodriguez, who actually just recently signed with the Colorado Avalanche on a prove-it deal. Uh, Brian Boyle, Matt, Mike Matheson, and John Marino. A lot of turnover in Pittsburgh, but I don't think it really affects their lineup that that much. Lastly, the Washington Capitals key additions. Uh, now Stanley Cup winning goaltender Darcy Kemper, uh, Eric Gustafson, Connor Brown, and Dylan Strom. Key subtractions here. Ilya Samsonov, Justin Schultz, Michael Kempney, and I should mention as a subtraction here, at least for this season, Nicholas Backstrom. It's not known yet if he's going to play at all after this year. We'll be updating you guys as we know the details on that. Another thing I should mention with Philadelphia, we don't know yet. We do not yet know the fate of Sean Couturier. It was announced yesterday that he potentially has a herniated disc in his back. He could be out for the entirety of the 2022-2023 season. More on that in a little bit. So I know I just threw a lot of information out at you guys quite a bit of talking on my part so now it's finally time to hear from tom and enough of hearing from me for a little bit so tom i'm gonna start with you here what were some of your favorite acquisitions and moves across the division this year well this was a division where not too much happened i mean maybe one major thing happened that i'm gonna touch on later on but i like what carolina did they brought in better players to bolster bolster their depth and max patchy ready not knowing he was going to get hurt brent burns and paul stastny Stastny should be the viable replacement for Vincent Trocek, and technically he's now the viable replacement for Max Pacioretty since he got hurt. So that was kind of just a, oh, wow, we got to go and do something type thing. But if Pacioretty comes back, that should bring a lot of depth and add a lot of depth to that top nine. In addition to the three young good, good young players they have in Sebastian Ajo, Andrei Svechnikov, and Tevu Taravainen. So 
as much as I don't want it to, Carolina's horn, I really do like what they did. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to agree with you, Tom, that not a lot happened in the division. It, I know I just rattled off a lot of additions, a lot of subtractions here. But when you really kind of break it down, not a whole lot is changing in the division this year. I think you've got some teams that are going to usurp others this year in the, in the division, but we're going to go over that in a little bit. Um, but I like a lot of the smaller moves that teams made. I think Pittsburgh adding Jeff Petrie, for example, is going to help an already potent offense. Plus, giving Ty Smith a change of scenery could do wonders for him. Uh, we last saw him in New Jersey. He really kind of struggled on the defensive side of the coin. Uh, Devils fans might remember for sure. Um, but I think a change of scenery is going to be everything that this kid needs. He's still young. He's a developing defenseman. And I think he's going to develop quite nicely, maybe as a bottom-pairing defenseman for Pittsburgh this year on the left-hand side. Speaking of changes of scenery, I'm curious as to how – uh, a change of scenery is going to affect former first-round pick Pavel Zaka, who was dealt to the Boston Bruins in the offseason for Eric Howla. He'll spend some time on the first and second line to start the year with Brad Marchand still on the mend, and he'll Brad Marchand's going to be on the mend until probably January at this point. At least that's what's being speculated at the moment. Could be earlier, could be later, but Pavel Zaka is going to see some top six minutes there for the Boston Bruins, and. Who knows? Maybe the change of scenery is all he needs to get it going. He has shown flashes of brilliance before. And I think a buy low on Pavel Zaka for the Boston Bruins, I think would be good. Boston's made it no secret that they've been a fan of Pavel Zaka for the past two years. They've tried to get something going with New Jersey uh, in the trade department, but just couldn't connect in the offseason. It was just the right move. Uh, Carolina made a solid move by selling high on Tony D'Angelo by dealing him to Philadelphia. But buying low on an experienced veteran to replace him in Brent Burns. I think experience in this case, you take the albatross of the contract with the experience that Brent Burns gives you and the intensity that he plays with on a nightly basis. Plus with how well this uh, Carolina lineup is shaping around their young core, I think adding Brent Burns to the mix is a great logical next step. Uh, Vinny Trocek could be a really nice piece for the New York Rangers uh, who are Closing in on Stanley Cup contention, he could be the second-line center that the Rangers very desperately need at this phase in the game. What more can I say about Columbus's offseason? I mean, nobody saw Johnny Gaudreau signing in Columbus coming from a mile away. No one saw it coming, uh, let alone Patrick Laine re-signing with the Columbus Blue Jackets as well. You add those two components together you add those two players together and columbus i think is primed to make a serious playoff push with a already young core around them building around players like cole sillinger like kent johnson like yegar chinikov i think columbus has a lot of opportunity to grow as a potential playoff team this year lastly i've got to mention my devils here I like the influx of leadership that the Devils acquired in the offseason. Picking up veteran leadership in Andre Palat, Brendan Smith, and Eric Halla will help a young and developing core play more competitive hockey games this year. Plus, to boot with that, I really like the additions of John Marino on the right-hand side, and I like adding Vitek Vanacek as a way of pushing and motivating Mackenzie Blackwood to up his game. 
because both of these goaltenders, I think, are going to split time right from the start of the season. And I think it could be a nice, healthy competition for the Devils, who have been desperate for goaltending over the past two years. After seeing old goaltender go down and go down and go down, we saw it with Corey Schneider. We saw it with Corey Crawford. We didn't even get to see it with Corey Crawford. He retired before the season even began. And unfortunately, we saw it this past year with Jonathan Bernier. The Devils are just looking for younger goaltending at this point. I think Vitek Vanacek gives the Devils that younger influx of goaltending that they need very desperately at this point. So, Tom, we talked a little bit about the moves that we liked within the division, but given the moves that were made in the offseason, which team or teams made the most improvements in your eyes and which teams just look worse on paper after this offseason? Well, I alluded to Carolina earlier, and like I said, I really like what they did, but I also like what Columbus did. They really came out of left field with this Goudreau signing. The hope here is that it's going to rejuvenate Patrick Laine, and I really think it will. If you look up and down their lineup, they have pretty solid options on their first three lines. We're going to delve a little more into that later, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But as far as um, uh, who got worse, really hard to uh, put a finger on, quantify it, you know? In theory, yes, the Islanders... They got rid of a lot of older guys, and that's a good thing. But they also got rid of Barry Trotz, and he was a big, big reason for their success over the last few years. Those last two playoff runs they went on, he was a big reason for that after coming off the Stanley Cup in Washington. The Penguins, on paper, they look great. They really do. They still look good on paper. But they gave three deals out, one at the end of last season and two over the summer, that in my eyes are terrible. Jeff Carter. Two years at $6.25 million at 37 years old. Evgeny Malkin, four-year deal, six per one per year at 36 years old. And here's, here's what takes the cake. Chris Letang, 35 years old, signed for six years at $6.1 mil. Those deals don't do them any good. Letang is always injured. Malkin was injured a lot last year. If they can't stay healthy, this team's in a slew of trouble. They're not going to have the cap to help them. And if they miss the playoffs, they're not going to have that to help them. Because basically the narrative with the Penguins was, let's just make the playoffs and we'll get everybody back for the playoffs and we'll see what we can do. And they almost pulled it off. They had the Rangers in a 3-1 to hole before they blew it. Now on to another team that's a good rival of theirs, Washington. Darcy Kempfer, five years at 5.2 per. Now I get it. He just won the Stanley Cup. He's been through the trials and tribulations. He's been through the grind, through the playoffs. But I'm just going to say this right now. He wasn't that much of an important part of Colorado's playoff run. He was their goalie, but he was kind of just in there to uh, not a, to uh, allow less goals than the Avalanche scored. He wasn't Igor Shesterkin or Andre Vasilevsky by any means. Um, I don't understand why the Caps did it. They've been trending downward over the last few years. And in reality, yeah, you want Ovechkin to go out and break the record and go out as a cap and retire. You want to do whatever you can for Ovechkin. But here's the reality. The Caps are not getting any younger. The Caps probably aren't going to make the playoffs this year or the year after that or the year after that. And eventually they're going to have to tear it down. And this Darcy Kemper deal, when they finally do decide to rebuild, is not going to help them. Yeah. I mean, you made a lot of really good points there with a, a lot of your takes there. I'm going to add on top of that with a couple teams that I'm kind of perplexed at as well and, you know, kind of share on the different side of the coin in the division. Uh, to build on what you were talking about before, uh, I think Columbus did quite a bit to reinvigorate the roster and scare a lot of teams in the division. I mean, picking up Johnny Gaudreau, who I thought in a lot of ways should have been 
heavily considered for the Hart Trophy this year. Adding him was fantastic. Maybe you don't necessarily like the money that you gave him over a long span of time, but in the in the, in the interim, I love this move for them. I obviously also like what the Devils did as they grow into a potential playoff you know, sleeper, maybe not for this year, but absolutely for next year. The, the moves that the Devils made this past year are absolutely for the future and for the next few years as they grow into a playoff team, and they're close. The Rangers and the Hurricanes kept it pretty simple, but less is more, and both are absolutely primed to take the top two spots in the division this year. Like I mentioned before in the additions and subtractions uh, section earlier, it's addition through subtraction with them. They got rid of a lot of their bloat, and now you've got younger players ready and primed to take that next step in their lineups. For the New York Rangers, you've got Alexi Lafreniere, Capo Caco, even Vitaly Krasov primed to take that next big step forward for them. For Carolina, Seth Jarvis is chomping at the bit to break out this year for the Carolina Hurricane. It's only a matter of time. So now on to what I did not like in the offseason and what I just I I question what they're doing over there. I am quite confused with what the Philadelphia Flyers and the New York Islanders are doing. Thinking with the Philadelphia Flyers first. Chuck Fletcher and Lou Lamarillo, for that matter, with the New York Islanders are out of touch with their fan base and out of touch with their, you know, team mission in a lot of ways. They did nothing but make their teams worse for this upcoming year. Philadelphia. Philadelphia overpaid for Tony D'Angelo. And they also overpaid for Rasmus Ristolainen before the season even began, which left them out of the running for Johnny Gaudreau. I firmly, firmly believe that Johnny Gaudreau would be a Philadelphia Flyer right now had Chuck Fletcher not spent his cap on underwhelming defense. Looking at Rasmus Ristolainen, looking at Tony D'Angelo. We still don't know the fate of Ryan Ellis right now, but it's not looking like he's going to be playing at the start of this season. You know, couple the uncertainty of Ryan Ellis, and I spell nothing but disaster for the Philadelphia Flyers this year. John Tortorella is already regretting his decision to coach this team. And... In my eyes, John Tortorella was the best acquisition for the Philadelphia Flyers this year. And it sucks because the Philadelphia Flyers should be a better team this year, but they're not. This is a team that has the pieces. They have players that can play really good hockey. Sean Couturier, before he got hurt, one of the best two-way centers in the entire league. Travis Konechny, a great role player, a pest, and would only get better under John Tortorella for sure. You know, Morgan Frost is another person that I think of. Uh, Ian Radcliffe is another player I think of as well. This is a Philadelphia team that is currently going nowhere, and Chuck Fletcher is at the helm, and I know Philadelphia fans everywhere that want his head at this moment. So it's an uphill battle right now for the Philadelphia Flyers. Moving on to Long Island right now. In true Lou Lamarillo fashion, 
He has the league waiting with bated breath on not knowing where his cap space is going. Oh, we, you know, might be in on Johnny Gaudreau. Oh, we might be in on Nazem Kadri. Maybe he's trading for this guy. Maybe he's trading for that guy. Lo and behold, smoke and mirrors in true Lou Lamarillo fashion. Just to make cap space for who? Maybe re-signing Andy Green? Announcing today that you're bringing back Corey Schneider back to the AHL right now? Just nothing, man. Couple that with you fire Barry Trotz, which I get it if he lost the room. But now you've got an inexperienced coach coming in and a roster desperately looking to bounce back from a mediocre showing last year. The only thing that Islanders fans have to look forward to is quite possibly the best goaltender on the East Coast, not currently named Igor Shesterkin. Or Vasilevsky. Or, okay, or Vasilevsky. In Ilya Sorokin, who was criminally overlooked between the pipes last year, despite having no offensive production in front of him all last year. He is going to be one of the only things keeping the Islanders afloat this year. That and maybe a bounce back year for Anders Lee and for Matthew Barzel. But that's going to be left to be seen. We'll see what happens. But it's time to move away from additions and subtractions. Let's take a look at what some of the potential opening day lineups could look like brought to you by daily Faceoff, and as we've told you guys in uh past previews take daily face off with a grain of salt tom was picking through the line today for the rangers and found a few things that he thinks is going to be different based on how training camp opened today i see a few things with every lineup that could be different given what you know i think is going to happen so take daily face off with a grain of salt maybe a shot of tequila as well <laughs> but it's time now to take a look at this. No further delay. Let's take a look at what Daily Faceoff has to has to offer, starting with the Carolina Hurricane. So starting on the first line, we've got Tevu Teravainen, Sebastian Ajo, and Seth Jarvis. Looking at the second line right now, we've got Andre Svechnikov with Paul Stastny and Martin Natchez. On the third line, Jesper Faust with Jordan Stahl and Andre Kar- Kasha. And Finally, rounding out the fourth line, Jordan Martinuk, Jasperi Kokniemi, and Lane Peterson. Looking at the defensive pairings right now, we've got Jacob Slavin with Brent Burns. On the second pairing, Brady Shea with Brett Pesci. And on the third pairing, Ethan Bear with Dylan Coughlin. In these division previews, I skipped the power play and penalty kill units, but feel free to look at daily faceoff if you would like to peruse through the first power play unit, the second power play unit, the penalty kill unit. I'm going to skip them for right now and skip right to the goaltending, which between the pipes right now, we've got Freddie Anderson with Auntie Ranta. It should be mentioned right now, Jake Gardner is on IR. I don't know how long Gardner's going to be out, but he should be back this year. And Max Pacioretty is going to be out for the foreseeable future. I think he's probably going to come back more like February or March at the earliest right now. He's going to be a player to watch as we get closer to the playoffs this year, which I mean, to be honest, Carolina's a playoff team. There's Unless something catastrophically goes wrong, maybe I'm cursing them right now. Who knows? I just think Carolina's a playoff team. Moving on to other teams that could be a playoff team this year, let's look at the Columbus Blue Jackets right now. Columbus Blue Jackets lineup brought to you by Daily Faceoff here. Looking at the top line, Johnny Gaudreau with Boone Jenner and Patrick Laine. Much improved from last year on that top line. Second line, Gustav Nyquist with Jack Roslovic 
and uh, Jakub Voracek. Third line, the kid line, as I'll call it right now, Kent Johnson with Cole Sillinger and Kirill Marchenko. And the uh, fourth line, Eric Robinson with Sean Corrali and Matthew uh, Oliver or Olivier. I suck at pronouncing names. Oh, well. Looking at the defensive pairings now, first pairing, Zach Wierenski with Andrew Peake. On the second pairing, Vladislav Gavrikov with Adam Bogfist. And on the third pairing, Jake Bean with Erica Branson. Looking down at the goaltending for your Columbus Blue Jackets, we've got Elvis Merzlikens as your starting goaltender and Junis Corposalo backing him up, who recently signed a one-year deal to stay in Columbus. Looking now at the – need to scroll down real quick. My computer freaked out for a hot second there. The New Jersey Devils, my New Jersey Devils, your New Jersey Devils, in fact. So looking at the top line for the New Jersey Devils here on Daily Faceoff, we've got on the top line, Andre Palat with Nico Heischer and Jesper Brunt. On the second line, Yegor Sharangovich with Jack Hughes and Dawson Mercer. On the third line, uh, Tom, Tomasz Tatar with Eric Haula and Andreas Janssen. And on the fourth line, Jesper Bogfist with Michael McLeod and Nathan Bastian. I'm already looking at how this lineup could be different. I'll explain that in just a minute. Looking at the defensive pairings here on the top line of defense, Ryan Graves with Dougie Hamilton. Second pairing, Jonas Siegenthaler with Damon Severson. And on the third pairing, Brendan Smith with John Marino. Looking down at the goaltending here, we've got as your 1A to start with right now, Vitek Vanacek. And your 1B, Mackenzie Blackwood. Although you could interchange him depending on the day, to be honest. It's a Wednesday, so it's Vanacek today. Tomorrow's Thursday, so it's Blackwood tomorrow. So who knows? Um, I should mention right now, it mentions that Miles Wood is on IR. Uh, he's skating freely right now, and he's fully participating in training camp. He's not going to be on IR to start this season. He will firmly be starting in this lineup. If I had to project it right now in this lineup, you would probably sub out Michael McLeod to insert Miles Wood on the left wing and move Jesper Bogfus over to center. So that fourth line probably looks more like Miles Wood, Jesper Bogfus, and Nathan Bastian. Um, if you're wondering why I'm not including Michael McLeod in the fourth line right now, no, he's not hurt, but look up Hockey Canada. That's all I'm going to say. Also, the one thing I should mention is Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer can swap in and out of that top line any night. I think you know there is going to be some variety there, but probably keeping, keeping Nico Heischer and Jesper brought together is probably in their best interest. Moving on to the New York Islanders here in their lineup here. So looking at the top line brought to you by Daily Faceoff here for the New York Islanders, we've got Anthony Bavillier with Brock Nelson and Kyle Palmieri. On the second line, Anders Lee with Matthew Barzel and Josh Bailey. On the third line, Zach Parisi with J.G. Pajot and Oliver Wallstrom. And on the fourth line, Matt Martin with Casey Zizekas and Cal Clutterbuck. I don't care what anybody says. I love that fourth line. That might be my favorite fourth line in all of hockey right now, to be honest. And looking at the defensive pairings here, we've got Alexander Romanov with Noah Dobson on the top line. Don't know if I totally agree with that, but more on that in a bit. Uh, on the second line, Adam Pellick with Ryan Pollock. That's probably your top line pairing, just saying. And on the 
third line pairing, Robin Sallow with Scott Mayfield. Looking at the goaltending here, you have Ilya Sorokin starting and Semyon Varlamov as your backup goaltender. Maybe even a 1B situation. Varlamov is going to challenge for some playing time too this year. Moving on to Tom's favorite, mm -hmm. maybe your favorite, New York Rangers. Tom, I'm going to also let you explain how you know this lineup is going to be different as well once I get through reading them off. Um, but on the first line, allegedly, Chris Kreider with Mika Zibanejad and Alexi Lafreniere. On the second line, Artemi Panarin, uh, Vinny Trocek, and Capo Caco. On the third line, Sammy Blay with Philip Hedl and Vitaly Kravtsov. And on the fourth line, Barkley, Barclay Goudreau and Ryan Carpenter with Ryan Reeves. Looking at the defense, we've got Ryan Lindgren with Adam Fox, former Norris Trophy winner, Adam Fox. Mm -hmm. Might win it again one day. Could. Keandre Miller with new captain, Jacob Truba. Mm -hmm. And on the third line of defense, Zach Jones with Braden Schneider. And looking down at the goaltending, it's looking like Yaroslav Halak is probably the start. No, all right. Igor Shusterkin, <laughs> the starting goaltender with Yaroslav Halak. Defending Vezina Trophy winner, by the way. Vezina Trophy winner, probably should have been Hart Trophy winner, Igor Shusterkin, uh, with Yaroslav Halak backing him up this year. Tom, I wanted you to expound on this real quick because we were talking about a pre-show, uh, how this could be different. So how do you think is th this is going to be different based on how training camp's opening up? It's not really how I think. First, I want to preface it on this. The goalie, the goaltendings is obvious. We don't need to talk about that. The deep pairs, probably set. Probably set. Right now, today, from what I'm reading from various different uh, beat reporters, the forward lines are changed a little bit. Right now, you have Sammy Blay skating in the, on the first line right wing spot with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad, and it worked last year. You had a guy like Frank Vitrano there, and it worked out real good for them in the playoffs. You had Kreider and Zibanejad scoring at will in the playoffs. At the same time, I wouldn't mind Lafreniere there either playing his off wing. The times he played with them two last year, I felt like he was at his most productive. So it's about a 50-50 on this. Online two. Panarin, yes. Trocek, yes. Kako is not playing on line two right now. Vitaly Krasov is playing on line two with Panarin and Trocek. Which leads us to line three. Gallant really liked the kid line in the playoffs last year. So I guess he's using the if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. So on line three, right now, you have Lafreniere on the left side, Heedle in the middle, Kako on the right side. Now when we get down to line four, you have Ryan Carpenter, Ryan Reeves, and Barclay Goudreau. The news that was broke today was that Barclay Goudreau is not going to play any preseason games. He's still nursing an injury from the playoffs this year. He will practice, but he won't play any games in the preseason. So that leaves Ryan Carpenter and Ryan Reeves in an open spot on the left wing for the preseason, at least just for them to get a look at people. Now, in training camp, you have Jimmy Vesey on a PTO. You have Will Cooley, who played for the Canadian World Junior Team, whose contract is eligible for him to be sent up and back down to Hartford. And you have somebody who I really like, who they drafted last year, and Brennan Othman, who might deserve a look there. We'll see. It's a weird thing with Othman because he's 19 years old. You never want to send somebody back for their 20-year-old junior season because it's a waste of a year of development. But if you just look at the depth this team has, it's really hard. Do you play Othman on the fourth line with limited minutes and play him in and out of the lineup? Or do you send Othman back to Flint where – He's going to go there, dominate again. That's obvious because he dominated last year. But at the same time, he's a 20-year-old playing against, you know, mostly 17, 18, 19 years old, some 15 and 16-year-olds. 
He's a he's he's a man playing in a kids league. It's really going to be difficult to see what they're going to do with Brennan Othman. And I'm going to mention that a little later on as well. Yeah, so just ways that that Rangers line can evolve uh, as training camp opens up for sure. And I completely agree with you, Tom, on all, all of your takes there. And I think keeping the kid line together on that third line of Lafreniere, Heedle, and Kako, I think would be in the Rangers' best interest, period. Or maybe just, make it a new kid line. Maybe put Lafreniere up top, put Sammy Blay on the fourth line, and maybe put Brennan Othman on the left-hand side of Heedle and Kako. Or make could. it Heedle and Kravtsov and put Kako with Panarin. I don't know why the Rangers are allergic to putting Kako and Panarin together. Whenever they're together, they play really well. I don't know, but we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's day day two of training camp right now, so we can't really uh, – I can't criticize a team that hasn't even played a preseason game yet. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on all accounts on that one. So now taking a look at the Philadelphia Flyers lineup right now on the top line, allegedly right now, brought to you by Daily Faceoff, Scott Lawton with Sean Couturier and Travis Konechny. Just going to mention it out of the gate here. We don't know how long Sean Couturier is going to be out this uh, at the moment. Uh, he's currently being listed as week to week as he seeks a second opinion on his herniated disc, potentially. Um, it could be all season. It could be shorter. But anticipate that the Philadelphia Flyers are going to begin the season without Sean Couturier, and we'll go from there. More than likely, I think Kevin Hayes probably breaks up uh, on the top line there just for lineup balance. Looking at the second line, James Van Riemsdyk with Kevin Hayes and Cam Atkinson as of right now in this projection. Uh, on the third line, Joel Farabee, Morgan Frost, and Owen Tippett. And on the fourth line, you've got Nick Delorier with Patrick Brown and Zach McEwen. That's a line. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Would that be a fourth line on an AHL team somewhere maybe? I think that's a fourth line in a beer league hockey league, I think, at the moment. <laughs> Just saying. If most beer leagues even have fourth lines, to be honest. I know my team doesn't. Uh, looking at the defensive pairings, we've got Ivan Provorov with Tony D'Angelo. On the second pairing, Travis Sanheim with Rasmus Ristolainen. And on the third pairing, Cam York with Justin Braun. Welcome looking back, down- Justin Braun. Huh? Yeah, your boy Justin Braun on that one. Looking down at the goaltending, we've got Carter Hart starting between the pipes, looking for a bounce back year this year, but in front of that lineup, good luck. And backing him up this year is going to be Felix Sandstrom at the moment. Uh, Should be mentioned also, Ryan Ellis, we have no idea what the heck is going on with him. So moving right along. Uh, Also just want to mention here, I think it's criminal. If this is what the projected lineup is for Philadelphia, the underutilization of Joel Farabee and Owen Tepet is mind-boggling in my eyes. But then again, when you have an Albatross contract like James Van Riemsdyk, you and kind Kevin of have Hayes. to play him. Huh? And Kevin Hayes, too. I don't mind Kevin Hayes, though. I actually didn't mind how Kevin Hayes has played with the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm just putting it out there. I just don't like his contract. Personally, yeah, I... Yeah, he's not worth $7.5 million, but maybe 6 and a half. Yeah, I mean, personally, I mean, as a Ranger fan, I liked him his first year with the Rangers, and then after that, he really wasn't that good anymore. Kind of lost it for me from that point on. Yeah, I agree. Looking now at the Pittsburgh Penguins, brought to you by Daily Faceoff here. We're rounding out the rest of the division here. Looking at the top line for the Pittsburgh Penguins, we've got Jake Gensel with Sidney Crosby and Ricard Raquel. On the second line, Jason Zucker with Evgeny Malkin and Brian Rust. That is a very balanced and potentially dangerous top two lines. Got to be honest. Uh, third line, Brock McGinn with Jeff Carter and 
Kasperi Kapanen, kill him with speed, as I'll call him. And Jimmy, Rutherford, the- Jimmy Rutherford, Penguins hockey, even though he's not there anymore. That is true. And on the fourth line, Ryan Pooling with Teddy Bluger and Josh Archibald. Not a bad lineup for Pittsburgh. They're people if they stay them. healthy. If they stay healthy, don't underrate this team. Looking at the defensive pairings, we've got Brian Dumoulin with Chris Letang. On the second line, you've got Marcus Peterson with Jeff Petrie. And on the third uh, line pairing right now, you've got Ty Smith with Jan Ruta. I like that right side for Pittsburgh this year. That's not a bad right-hand side. Looking down at the goaltending, you've got Tristan Yari as your starting goaltender and Casey DeSmith, as always, backing him up. Consistency in net, you'll love to see it. Finally, looking at our final team in the division, we're looking here at the Washington Capitals here on Daily Faceoff. Looking at the top line here, you've got Alex Ovechkin, of course, with Evgeny Kuznetsov and Connor Brown. Who else would be sitting at top top line left wing for the Washington Capitals? I mean, really. Looking at the second line here, Anthony Mantha with Dylan Strom and TJ Oshie. On the third line, you've got Marcus Johansson with Lars Eller and Connor Sheary. In terms of just you know acquisitions in the offseason, look, guys. Marcus Johansson's back. Ignore the fact that this team has not improved. Ignore it. Ignore it. <laughs> Fourth line. Hmm. Why well, spend some Chicago Blackhawks esque <laughs> trading? Let's bring guys back from the glory days for no reason. Also, I may have just delayed the fact that I'm about to butcher this name. Axel Janssen Fialbi. Sure, that was a pronunciation. With Nick Dowd and Garnett Hathaway. Uh, looking at the defensive pairings, you've got Martin Fervery uh, with John Carlson. On the second pairing, you've got Dmitry Orlov with Nick Jensen. And on the third pairing, you've got Eric Gustafson with Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Looking down at the goaltending, you've got Darcy Kemper absolutely starting this year. And backing him up is going to be Charlie Lindgren. Once again, should be mentioned, Nicholas Backstrom almost certainly going to be out the entirety of this year. Carl Hagelin and Tom Wilson, I'm actually not sure on their uh, on their injuries uh, at the moment. I'm going to have to look into that and kind of update as we go. Uh, but I'm Tom looking Wilson up. Should, yeah, Tom Wilson should not be out that long. Carl Hagelin, I don't know the story on, but that's just why six, they – It was six to eight months in May. He had knee surgery. Tom so Wilson May, did. July, August, September, so – You'd say maybe back around, say, December, maybe? Yeah, December, January. December, January, probably, I would say. So they're going to be out without their, you know, biggest forward for a little while there. Um, One player I should mention who I think could factor in the starting lineup, uh, maybe by opening night, is Hendrix LaPierre for the Washington Capitals. I just think that there's a good chance that he gets a cup of coffee to start the year. With the Washington Capitals, I'm hearing really good things about how he's been playing. Along with Connor McMichael, I don't see how Connor McMichael doesn't factor into this lineup on opening night. It's just a matter of who you take out to plug in. So, Washington fans, if you want to chime in on that one, chime in down below in the comment section and let us know for sure. If they don't make the playoffs this year, you'll probably start seeing those guys a lot more next year. Oh, almost certainly. I mean, with how young they are. I mean, we're looking I think at Washington. Michael more than LaPierre. I think LaPierre can go, uh, can go either way. A lot yeah. of times with those flashy guys in the queue, you know, they come up and it's like it's like they're, uh, I don't know, it's like they're a squirrel going up against a freight train. 
pretty much. Can't think of a better analogy right now. With these opening line, opening day lineups for the NHL this year, there's a lot to digest here. There's a lot to kind of consider with all of these lineups. So, Tom, I'll start with you on this one. Based on the projections that we saw from Daily Faceoff, which lineup looks the strongest on paper right now, or lineups look the strongest on paper, and which ones look the weakest at the moment, and which ones just interest you the most? Well, I like Carolina, and if Pacioretty comes back, they are the strongest on paper. Pittsburgh, I mentioned that I liked on paper. I don't like the contracts, and those guys on paper are good, but they're also all trending. as the. They're basically your, your core four in Pittsburgh right now, Crosby, Malkin, Carter, Latang, all on the other side of 35. A lot of times now, and I saw it happen as a Ranger fan with a guy like Brendan Shanahan and with a guy like Marty San Louis. You can still play at an elite level at that age. Yes, you most certainly can. But a lot of times at that age, you get hurt and those injuries last longer. And you come back, and you don't come back as strong as you were. So we'll see with them. I like him on paper, yes. And I'm, and I'm going to add Jake Gensel in there, too, as because he was, he was a beast for them in the playoffs last year. I like Pittsburgh, too. Columbus. A lot depends on guys like Ken Johnson and the like. Obviously, you know, you hope this partnership on line one between Line A and Goudreau works out. You know, hopefully Line A can be another Matthew Kachuk type to Johnny Goudreau. We'll, we have to see what happens. They may, they may very well split them up, put them on separate lines. I like Columbus a lot. As, ter- I, as far as weak lineups ca- are, are concerned, the Islanders didn't change their lineup all that much. So you just if I was an Islander fan, I'd just sit there and hope, okay, maybe last year was just a fluke with the new arena and COVID and the like. And, uh, you know, even though Barry's gone, maybe we can regain it with uh, Lambert. And do I need to say it? Philly. No two ways around it. I kind of like their second line, to tell you the truth. But... There's no, there's no two ways around it. They're looking for Bedard or Mitchkoff next year in the draft. And they may get them, and they may not. But, you know, hopefully Philly, next time around, doesn't um, uh, screw up a generational talent like they did about 30 years ago with uh, Mr. Eric Lindros. Of course, his parents had something to do with that as well. But, you know, we can talk about that another week. We could do, do a whole episode on the Eric Lindros saga if people want when we have nothing else to talk about. But, yeah, I'd say Philly is the weakest. I'm kind of curious because you've stayed pretty quiet about their lineup all night. What do you think about the Devils this upcoming year? I think that they're – here's the thing with the Devils. It's going to be – it's the same thing I thought about them last year. They have the young legs. Their goaltending is so-so. Their bottom six is so-so. D is okay. Here's what I said about Dougie Hamilton. He's a good defenseman, but, man, he's been, he's on his third team already. And I think he's good, but I just don't know if you can legit depend on Dougie Hamilton to carry your D. I don't, and I think the Devils are trending in the right direction. But it's just a matter of you have about three or four other teams that are just better than they are right now. It's the same thing as last year. It's the same. The Devils are in the same situation. Washington is going to fall off this year. It's obvious. But the thing about the Devils was what doesn't help the Devils right now is what Columbus went and did. Columbus has young forwards. Line A was trending towards a has-been until they went out and came out of left field and brought Johnny Goudreau in. And now Columbus just leapfrogged over the Devils. 
That's that's the thing right now. We talked about the Devils last year in an episode about how I said they just need to be patient and wait for a team like Pittsburgh or Washington to fall off, but nobody really thought Columbus was going to go and do what they did. So for and me, that's 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 what maybe ranks Columbus over the Devils for me right now. And that's fair. I mean, I rank Columbus over the Devils right now too. I mean, look, I'm a diehard Devils fan, but I'm also an honest Devils fan, and also a non-biased hockey fan. You know, it's no secret in my eyes that I think the Devils currently this year are treading water and waiting for their influx of younger players to really finally crack the lineup. Alexander Holtz, who I think probably cracks the lineup this year. That's another thing I didn't mention from Daily Faceoff. They didn't factor in Alexander Holtz. He factors into this lineup, I think. I think he could be a third-line factor for this team, maybe taking Andreas Janssen out of this lineup, I think. I think the Devils are going to try to find a suitor for Andreas Janssen and maybe towards midseason, maybe for Tomas Tatar. Oh, but, may I mention one more thing about them? I love the yeah. Pilat acquisition. I know I've said it before, but I love that acquisition. Yeah, I mean, that, in my eyes, that was the acquisition I wanted the Devils to make in the offseason. I kind of wanted them to avoid Johnny Gaudreau, to be honest. I think putting all of their eggs in the one basket on Gaudreau was going to be the wrong call. Yes, I did really want them to acquire Matt Tuchuk. For the price tag that he ended up going for, I'm actually kind of happy that the Devils didn't end up you know, breaking the bank on that. Mm-hmm. Andre Pallad, I think, is a very logical next step for them. He's a veteran with Stanley Cup experience, bona fide Stanley Cup experience, proven Stanley Cup experience. He was a beast in the playoffs last year, too. For the past couple of years in the playoffs. Even, but last year, I felt like more than any other year. Yeah. Remember, I I got to see it up close a couple of times and get really upset about it. (laughs) But it's obvious to me that the Devils are currently treading water, especially on defense at the moment, for their younger, high prospects to crack this team. You know, you've got another year that Luke Hughes is going to be playing at Michigan this year. They're waiting for him to crack that left-hand side probably next year or maybe the year after that. But then once he comes, he's not going anywhere. Simon Nemec, who was uh, drafted this past year, number two overall, looked great in the prospect challenge, and I think he's going to look very good in training camp. The Devils are still just going to probably play him in the AHL at least for this year, just to get him some pro time down in the AHL, let him develop properly before exposing him to the NHL and starting that uh, entry clock for him. And once again, once he's up, he's not going anywhere. I think if he ends up coming up mid-season, which is a real possibility, it'll be because the Devils found a trade partner for Damon Severson, who is set to be an unrestricted free agent this year. And I'm the biggest Damon Severson apologist out there, but you know, with Simon the Mech getting drafted, I think his days right now are numbered in New Jersey. And I think that this is going to be a core going forward of and planning for the future with Dougie Hamilton, Simon the Mech, and John Marino going forward. Plus, you have four more years of John Marino. On the left-hand side, you're treading water at the moment. Ryan Graves is set to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year, but then when Luke Hughes comes in, he's probably your second pairing guy Jonas Siegenthaler probably takes some more strides this year he's been one of the best stay-at-home defensemen uh in the NHL and could even take that top defenseman spot next year he's a sneaky good defenseman yeah he doesn't have a lot of offensive upside 
But with how good his defense is, he doesn't need to. He's kind of like Keandre Miller on the other side of the river in that sense, where if he gets offensive production, you take it. But his bread and butter is what he does in his own defensive zone and being so locked, stocked, and barrel and knowing that your goaltender is safe with him in front. But, you know, this is this is certainly a team that's waiting for the rest of their younger talent to get ready and to really, you know, hit their stride and see what you got in them. But to me, the strongest in the Metropolitan Division, it's still Carolina. It's still the New York Rangers. Both look prime for deep playoffs run, playoff runs this year. Pittsburgh also has at least one more good year in them before approaching the difficult decision of what to do with this lineup as it really gets up there in age. They're going to have some really important decisions to make on Evgeny Malkin. Sidney Crosby's going to have an important decision to make on is he going to continue playing next year and beyond. He had already said he I think he had said the other day he was going to play for three more years and then make a decision then. Yeah, so I think he's at least going to honor the rest of his contract and then figure it out from there. Chris Letang, you don't know how much longer you really have in him in a competitive play. Jeff Carter is another person that's really gotten up there in age. This is an aging lineup. They've got some younger talent there, but this is the oldest lineup in the Metropolitan Division. How much longer could they really realistically go? That younger talent is complimentary, though. That's That younger talent is not going to carry them. No, the, like the only two players that could realistically carry them on the younger side are Jake Gensel and Brian Rust. Those are really the only two. And even then that's stretching it. Exactly. Yeah. That's like really kind of grasping at straws there. And don't even get me started on the defensive side. That's an experienced defense, but it's an aging defense. And we all know what happens as it goes, as they get older. It's the same MO for the last six years, you know, Rely heavily on Crosby, Malkin, and at that time it was Kessel. Now it's Carter. Rely heavily on them. Put younger players with them. Slot them into the lineup and hope good things happen. Hey, they won two cups in a row trying to do that. But then after that, they haven't done much. True. As I stated before, don't overlook New Jersey. Don't overlook Columbus. I think Columbus, I think, is going to scare a lot of teams this year. I think both of these teams could give many teams in the division a headache this year. I think one player, I mean, just to you know, stay on the Devils for just a hot second, one player that I think nobody is talking about that's primed for a real breakout this year and you know, point production is Jack Hughes. Not a lot of people are giving him the love that he really deserves because this, this is a kid, he missed significant time last year to injury, but he was a point-of-game player last year. And I think if given a full year to be healthy – I think he could keep that production and maybe even go up from there. He could be more than a point-per-game player. And with a more experienced lineup around him, support players like Yegor Sharangovich around him, Dawson Mercer going into his sophomore season, you know, mix in maybe Jesper Brat here and there with Andre Palat. Jack Hughes could be primed for a real breakout this year. And Nico Heischer primed to just continue playing good, solid two-way hockey. I think we could be talking about him in the next year or two, like we do with Ryan O'Reilly and Sean Couturier as you know defensive wizards at center. Um, I think this is the breaking point for a team like the Washington Capitals this year. How long can this team go before they have to retool or even rebuild? We are approaching a breaking point with the Washington Capitals, and I think Columbus and New Jersey could very well pass the Washington Capitals this year. They're getting older. They're on the wrong side of that Stanley Cup win from a few years ago. 
there there's going to be some important decisions that that are going to need to be made and nicholas backstrom is the first domino to fall and he could be the catalyst to a retool or a rebuild lastly philadelphia and the new york islanders are the bottom feeders here i do not see them being better than any of the teams listed above I don't. Maybe the New York Islanders, if they bounce back, if they respond to new coaching well. I've seen projections that have the New York Islanders finishing 7th or 8th. I've seen projections that have them as a playoff team this year. They're a massive wild card. I just don't I don't see a playoff contender in them, especially with the rest of the teams in this division that are passing them by. They did nothing to improve this team, and I just don't see them as a bigger team going forward this year. So now that we are done projecting the lineups, looking at opening day lineups, time for some predictions and time to segue to the question of the day. And question of the day is two-tiered as always here. So number one, which team is the team to beat in the division this year? Who possibly comes away with the division title this year? And let's just project who finishes one through eight in the Metropolitan Division. So Tom, let's start with you. Who finishes one through eight? Who wins the division this year? Who's the team to beat? Okay, well, it's kind of 50-50 on top if I'm going one through eight. I'm going right now just by projections. I'm giving the first place, I'm giving the first place spot to Carolina, followed by my favorite team, the Rangers, followed by Columbus. Now, there's one thing I forgot to say about Columbus that I did want to say. If we know one thing from history, Columbus has tried this before with bringing in two stars who had played elsewhere. Well, not really two stars who played elsewhere, but having two stars up top, up in their top six. Remember, they tried doing this with Jeff Carter and Rick Nash 10 or so years ago. Didn't work out. So I'm curious to see what happens here. So Columbus in third, Pittsburgh in fourth. I think they have one last playoff run in them, maybe. Your New Jersey Devils in fifth, Washington in sixth, Islanders in seventh, Philly in eighth. Now, I went back. Now, I want to go back to just the top two, top two spots that I discussed. And I really think it's kind of a 50-50 split on top. Now, if you look at Carolina, they bolstered their depth by bringing in veterans. We know that. They brought in Pacioretty, Stastny, and Brent Burns. They most definitely did. Carolina also was kind of in need of a legit number one defenseman. You got that with Burns. But Burns is a little bit on the older side, and you got to realize, you know, how many years does he have in him before he starts getting a little long in the tooth? The thing about Carolina was this. They brought their they they brought these veterans in to bolster the depth, like I had said before. Last year in the playoffs, especially in the series against the Rangers, questions started arising about guys like Sebastian Ajo and Andre Svechnikov. Could they be the guys to lead this team to a Stanley Cup? As great as the additions of the three I mentioned before, Burns, Patrick, and Stastny, they're there to be complementary pieces not be the guys to lead them and take them to the next step. If the Canes want to go far, it's up to, Fe- to, Fe- to Svechnikov and Ajo to start getting the job, them, job done and take them there. Now, on the other side of this, you have the Rangers, and it's kind of an opposite. The Rangers' decor is established. You have Adam Fox, Norris Trophy winner, could potentially win one again. Jacob Troop is wearing the C. Ryan Lindgren is a great compliment to Fox. Okay, Andre Miller, we saw last year how good he could have been in the playoffs. The Rangers also got younger, and I agree with that. Now, that cop trade really, really hurt them. It cost them Morgan Barron and a first-rounder. But if you were to keep guys like him and Frank Vitrano and Ryan Strom around, it wasn't going to be much help. 
You have your core guys there now. You have guys like Minkus Abanajad, Chris Kreider, Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox, and Trubo, I previously mentioned. And you're defending Vezina Winter and Igor Shesterkin. But then you go to the younger forwards, and those are the guys they need to step up. Carolina needed the vets to help the younger forwards. The Rangers need younger forwards to help the vets. You have a guy like Alexi Lafreniere. He really trended upward last year. 19 goals. The hope is, is that maybe that can turn into 25 or 30. But then you have a guy like Capo Caco. I'm not one of them to still call him a bust. I'm still not going to do that. What Caco needs to do is stay healthy. The trend with him over the past few years has been two steps forward and three steps back. You have another guy like Vitaly Krasov. Is this the year there's finally no drama? Can he come in and pot 10 to 15 goals? And then you have the guys I mentioned earlier, and Will Cooley and Brennan Othman. Make no mistake about it. They will be challenging for spots in camp. Offman had a monster year in Flint last year, and he was a point-per-game guy at the World Juniors. He could technically bump Sammy Blade out of the fourth line if he really turns head. Will Cooley, the same thing. He's not as highly touted as Offman, and they have a little more wiggle room with him as they could send him back down to Hartford whenever they need to. But if Cooley turns heads in camp, he could bump Ryan Reeves or Ryan Carpenter out to the extra forward spot, and he could be a full-time guy. Youth is huge on both of these teams. It's just in different respects. Yeah, a, a lot to think about there based on what you were talking about. Um, for me, a lot could change here. You know, there's a lot of, you know, mixing and matching here with how things break out here. But here's what I'm thinking right now in terms of the standings and how it could shake out. I think Carolina, I think the Carolina Hurricanes are still the team to beat in the division realistically. I think they take the division again. Finishing second, I think the New York Rangers, I think it's it's a pretty good lock. I really do see the New York Rangers finishing in second place again. Could even finish in first place if things break right for them. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, I don't think they're going anywhere this year. I think third place is still a good place for them to finish this year. I don't see them finishing above that unless you have catastrophic injuries to Carolina and to New York. I don't think I see it this year. Um, finishing fourth. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets have a really good shot at finishing in fourth place this year. Finishing in fifth place, I have the New Jersey Devils. I just think that that's a realistic place for them to end. They're going to play some meaningful games in March this year. Could even play some meaningful games in April if you have teams near the top of the division, you know, take some, you know, very unfortunate injuries and New Jersey stays healthy. Could see what happens. Finishing in Fifth, uh, sixth place, I have the Washington Capitals. I just kind of think New Jersey is better than Washington this year. I think to start the year, Washington could be the better team. But I think as the year goes on, I think New Jersey really hits their stride and is a better team overall to the Washington Capitals. So I have the Washington Capitals finishing sixth. Then I have the New York Islanders finishing seventh. Like I said before, it's a real wild card with them. They could finish seventh. They could finish third. Who knows? I just realistically have them in seventh. I don't see them being better than Washington or New Jersey or anybody listed above. Then you've got 50 feet of crap, and then you have the Philadelphia Flyers because I don't know what the hell's going on over there. I don't know what Chuck Fletcher's doing. John Tortorella is certainly going to do his best to rally this team and to rally this lineup. And maybe with that enthusiasm, we could see Philadelphia finish a little bit better. Too little, too late. I just don't see them being better than any of the seven teams I just mentioned above. But um, 
honestly near the top of the division. It's an honest toss-up between the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. They're pretty much dead even in my eyes. Dark horses in the division, as I mentioned before, I think are Pittsburgh, Columbus, and even New Jersey. Uh, there are factors for each team that could see them ending anywhere between third and fifth this year. My eyes, as a non-biased New Jersey Devils fan, I don't think this is the year that the Devils start making the playoffs. I do think that that's next year, and I think it will honestly be more fair for Devils fans to expect a playoff push next year. I think this year is still just the last year of getting things together, solidifying the core, and making sure that everything is in place for them to be primed to make that run next year. That, and to be honest, Lindy Ruff is in the last year of his contract. I see him retiring at the end of this year, finishing out this season, taking a front office role, and passing this team off to the person that they named an assistant uh, coach this year, Andrew Brunette, who Tom very much remembers being the head coach of the Florida Panthers and coaching. Should probably still have his job. So I think Andrew Brunette's going to be primed to take on this New Jersey Devils team and prime them for playoff pushes going forward after Lindy Ruff retires at the end of the season. Unless things go catastrophically wrong, I don't see Lindy getting unceremoniously unceremoniously fired by the New Jersey Devils. I don't think he has that coming for him as much as you know some devils fans may think it's deserved i just i don't see it i'd see him retiring at the at the end of this year and maybe taking a job with tom fitzgerald in the front office and then andrew Burnett takes over and i think you hit the ground running next year and see what happens but as usual guys what do you guys think do you agree do you disagree with our takes you gotta let us know down in the comment section below and while you're there if you're not subscribed already subscribe down below youtube.com i80 sports hit the bell notification we go live every wednesday around 7 p.m eastern standard time so that way you can't miss us week to week to week and you can even watch our episodes after we go live and in syndication so check us out while you're here, drop a like, drop a comment, join the conversation down below, and let us know what you guys think of our predictions today for the Metropolitan Division. And if you are on Twitter and you don't currently follow us, follow us down below at I80 underscore sports NHL. And if you follow us already, thank you guys for your support because we greatly value it. Without you guys, we can't do this on a weekly basis. And with that, Tom, you and I have projected every single division in the NHL next week. We're coming at you with predictions for maybe end of the season awards, maybe predicting who could make the playoffs this upcoming year, who could be a Stanley cup champion by seasons. And you don't want to miss that episode. We're coming at you with our last prediction episode before the start of the regular season. Don't miss it next week around 7 PM Eastern standard time, Wednesday of next week. Until then I'm Brian. He's Tom. This has been yet another episode of NHL on I-80 Sports. Oh,